Hi, and welcome to the Restore Body Balance podcast, where we combine psychology, biology, and neurology to enact life changes that stick. I'm Colleen Burns, licensed psychotherapist and founder of Restore Body Balance. So today's episode, we're going to continue talking about that subject of food equals mood, except today's episode is going to be called Heal the Body and Heal the Mind. Oftentimes, I talk about mindfulness and meditation and how that calms the body and the ways stress actually impacts the body. And we talk about allostatic loading and oxidative stress. But today we're going to talk about when we actually heal the body, we can heal our mind. And specifically, what will affect most of our mood and cognitive thinking is that wonderful microbiome. So today we'll just touch base on a few things. Number one, we'll just talk briefly about the microbiome or the GI tract specifically. We call the microbiome or gut the second brain. So we'll talk a little bit about the role the gut plays in digestion. And then of course, the impacts of uh, how we absorb nutrients and how that in turn affects our brain health and obviously how that will affect our mood. And then we'll look at ways to nourish the gut and talk briefly a little bit about that wonderful subject of probiotics. I do have an entire podcast dedicated to food and mood and also probiotics. So of course, our listeners can go to those specific episodes to get more information and always email me at Colleen at RestoreBodyBalance.com for any additional questions. So let's just jump right in. Did you know, listeners, that 74% of Americans suffer from GI issues? Digestion is really the building blocks. It's the way we supply the building blocks for a healthy life. And oftentimes, I will say to my clients, digestion is the root of life. So today, I'm going to offer support to build that thriving life that we all deserve. And it starts with strong digestive capability. So today I'll be providing education, empowerment, and resources. So let me ask listeners, what is your relationship with food? What are your belief systems around food? What are your attitudes and your feelings How much does stress play in your life in terms of food? You know, stress often, specifically with digestion, can literally make us sick to our stomachs. But food should not be the enemy or something to avoid. Food is nourishment. Food is a positive source of energy and life. Think about how we get our food, not things in packages. So real whole food comes from gardening and then cooking from scratch. And let's even look back to our farmers and how we actually get that source of nourishment. So when you look at a typical day of eating, I ask you to look at your environment. Look at how you eat. 
Are you enjoying each bite? Now, in terms of digestion, I won't get into an entire sequence of the biology of what's happening, but I will go through just a few things because this is really important and I tell my clients this all the time. The first thing we have to look at are the five areas of digestion. Number one is salvation, two is chewing, three is the sphincter function, and four is what we call motility, and then of course five is secretion. So let's look at salvation. You know, your salivary glands kick in with even the simple thought of food and the smell of food. It's autonomic. It's just, it just happens. So when you look at that automatic response, we need to also look at our environment. So what are you surrounding yourself with? What can you gain control over, especially with your thoughts? like being practical, by being meditative, by being mindful. If you look at chewing in it itself, right, the second phase of digestion, we again have to look at there's a great deal of control by just chewing your food mindfully. So when you smell food or think of food, these little ducts in your cheek secrete what we call salivary amylase, and it signals the gut to change the pH, saying, here comes the food, we better be able to break it down. So you could be eating all the kale in the world, but you're not going to get the benefits unless you first chew your food and chew it properly. So there is something about eating in a mindful state, right? And I often kid around with my clients and I'll say, I used to think that I was a rock star, that I could eat a salad, empty the dishwasher, and probably do a load of laundry. And I have to reel myself in these days to actually enjoy what I've prepared for myself and sometimes remind myself to chew. We're often in a hurry. And even with our pandemic these days, when we have a lot more time at home and a lot more time on our hands, some of us, especially myself, I find myself even busier. So let's just look at that art of recognizing our food and looking at what our salivary glands are doing and then chewing. Next would be the sphincter function. And again, I see a lot of clients with GI issues, but both upper GI, which tends to be more like acid reflux and heartburn, and then the lower GI, which tends to go to, you know, things like constipation or diarrhea or cramping. So again, there are very specific ways that our food moves down into our gut. So that moves us to number four, which is motility. So again, there's a lot going on when we move food through our mouth, our esophagus, into the stomach and into the gut, and then eventually out of our bodies. So again, we want to look at, is our digestion fast or is it slow? It's very important. And then of course, the last would be secretion. We also have to look at here, what's happening in our body. And it, a lot has to do with if we have stomach ulcers, it looks at 
the villa in our small and large intestine and how much backed up we are with even like dead and decaying food. Believe it or not, people that do uh, a cleanse, um, not just for weight loss, but some cleanses really just help flush all of that dead decaying food in our intestinal tracts. As we know, they're, they're just miles long. So we also have to look at hydration, which also plays a huge role in all of this from chewing to the sphincter function, the motility and secretion. So now that we've just had a little taste of what's happening there, let's continue moving down the body. And that's the gut or the microbiota. And do you know that the gut weighs about three pounds? There's a lot going on in there, as we say. And believe it or not, our microbes make us smarter. The gut microbiota is a combination of all of the different microbes, bacteria, viruses, fungi, and a lot of what we see specifically Uh, I think it was 1670 was the first sort of microscope, right? That we looked at the geome. And I know recently with the, the microbiome project, we can actually look at a complete map of organisms and genes right down to the DNA, which is a blueprint for how an organism builds and functions. The Human Geome Project basically transcripted, I think, all of the sequences of our DNA. And that, I think, was complete in 2003. Um, so that's, that's quite notable. We also have to look at what they did when they looked at the microbiome project. So there's a lot of research that went into it. And, you know, I'm going to provide some websites for a little further research. Some research organizations you can go to to basically look at this in greater detail would be the NIH, the National Institute on Health, and the Microbiome Project. You can also look at a website called americangut.org. You can also go to the British Gut, which is a project that is run in conjunction with the American Gut, believe it or not. And their aim is to add more data and offer more insight into how diet and lifestyle can impact the microbiome. There's also my microbes. So it's my.microbes.eu. That's a German sequencing company that also functions as a place where you can send your stool to be sequenced. I actually had a friend that did that. There's a place actually here in Cambridge uh, that actually does it. And it tells you how healthy you are. And then lastly, there's a lab in Israel, um, which is the Segal Lab, S-C-G-A-L. And they are also focusing on the microbiome, nutrition, and genetics. This lab looks basically at which factors affect us when we respond to dietary changes. And of course, that is the microbiome, your genetics, and your glucose response. So that's just a few things. There's also Scientific America, which is a little easier to read and informative. And then, of course, nature. But that's very science heavy. So if you go to that, just be prepared. So, you know, our bacteria in our gut is really important. We often think of it as the forgotten organ. Believe it or not, only 10% 
of our cells are human. The rest are microbes in the human microbiota, as they call it. And it's been suggested that humans are super organisms, which are dependent on other organisms to survive. Getting back to the Human Microbiome Project, again, they studied all of the genes of microbes in the body, and they call that the second GM or the second brain, the way I've heard it. So we know that bacteria influence everything in the body and almost every single organ. Our microbiome contains 3.3 million non-redundant genes. And because a lot of people are you know, taking a probiotic supplement, it's really important because what we've learned with the microbiome project is that diversity in your gut health is key. There's also uh, a lot of research that your microbiome in, and your bacteria is a huge contributor to epigenetics. And your microbiome also uses a similar amount of energy as other organs. It impacts your digestion, how we respond to disease, our immunity, and inflammation, which is a whole nother podcast if you want to look at that. And it also is a fingerprint in a way, or a blueprint like we talked about. And it's evolved with us over time. So when you look at the large intestine, that houses most of your gut bacteria and all of the microbiome organisms. And, you know, here in the gut bacteria, it's sort of the gatekeeper of the digestive tract. It helps to actually digest the food, including indigestible fibers. It extracts energy from carbohydrates via fermentation. And it also creates essential building blocks like vitamins. Vitamin K, by the way, is the only one produced by bacteria. We also have the amino acids, short chain fatty acids, like acetate, butyrate, and propionate. We also have neurotransmitters, my favorite, which of course are GABA and serotonin. Again, I say this probably every podcast. I wish I learned this in graduate school. Serotonin, our feel-good hormone there, is, or neurotransmitter rather, is actually produced in the gut, not the brain. We can also look at harmful bacteria, right, that's in the gut, and the way the gut sends regulatory signals that control our functions, such as hunger and motility. Our gut also protects us from pathogens and may be determined, this is very important in our COVID climate, may determine whether a drug or a supplement will work and how the body responds to it. I wish I had my notes from the Benson Henry Institute because there's a great study we learned about in terms of mindfulness and meditation and how people responded to the flu shot. So now that we're rolling out the vaccines, let's all be really mindful about how we're using our body, our gut, and meditation and mindfulness. We're not really going to get much more into the gut in that sense, but we really do want to look at 
um, some dietary changes that can alter the gut bacteria, both short-term and long-term. And again, this is where diversity matters, okay? Because bacteria can change very quickly based on the food that was eaten. So when we talk about the standard American diet, SAD, which I often use the pun, it is quite sad. It really correlates with lower diversity and more chronic health conditions. So the take-home message, listeners, is the greater your bacteria diversity, the healthier and more resistant that ecosystem can be. So as an integrative health coach, we're going to look at what you can do to add some diversity. You know, we often talk about things like limiting NSAIDs, like Advil, and eating lots of soluble fiber, like vegetables, fruits, beans, bran, barley, flaxseed, especially if you grind it, and split peas. We also have to look at onions, garlic, leeks, jicama, asparagus, and Jerusalem artichokes specifically. We want to reduce the use of antibiotics when possible and eat whole grains, which should be another podcast in and of itself. Remember, a whole grain is a whole grain, not whole wheat bread, not whole wheat pasta, an actual whole grain, nothing that has been processed or refined. And we want to, I know this is hard this day and age, be really mindful about of, we have to these days be very careful with COVID and our pandemic, but we do need to look at what chemicals and products we're bringing into our households. And we can offset the use of our hand sanitizer these days by just amping up fermented foods. You know, I put pickles in my salad today. Uh, I had kimchi the day before or kombucha or yogurt that doesn't have a lot of sugar or kefir. Anything fermented, anything pickled is, is great right now to add to that diversity of our microbiome. And believe it or not, you know, I won't go on a little banter about certain meats, but make sure that they're not GMO. Make sure that your animals were pasture raised. We have a bigger plight after we get through our pandemic to look at, you know, again, if you're eating GMO meat, GMO milk, you're putting GMO in your body. Um, and of course, buy local when, when you can. Although that is another debate out there in terms of what people if your produce sat in a truck for or an airplane for a couple of days, how much healthier is it than if you just bought it local? I don't know. And organic, that's up for debate. But we want to, again, look at feeding your microbiome and the micro, uh, the microbes, I should say, in the gut. So, okay, moving on. We also would want to look at um, looking at a probiotic and what to choose in a probiotic. So let's get right to it. There are so many to choose from on the shelves, and it can be very confusing. So we're going to look at a little bit of a guide here um, and help you navigate which ones are best for you. And sometimes it needs to be a trial and error. I'm you know, working with a few people now who have experienced really wonderful relief with skin conditions. Don't forget your skin is an organ. So if your gut's not healthy, then your skin is not healthy. So sometimes playing around with a probiotic will really help, you know, clearing up skin conditions. And also just look at the very gut itself. Do you have 
gut problems or stomach problems. Sometimes you need a higher dose or a specific strain of a probiotic. So we have to be really careful here. Um, So probiotics or probiotic bacteria are named and categorized by the genus, the species, and the strain. So when you're looking at a label for a probiotic, you'll find each bacterium in that formula listed, most of which we cannot pronounce. (laughs) So forgive me if I attempt on this podcast. The genus is the first word in the name of the probiotic bacteria. So the species is the second word. So the genus is the first word in the name, and then the species is the second word in the name. The strain is the series of numbers or letters or a combination of the two. So the strain follows the species name. This typically reflects the company that the manufacturer of the strain, like lactobacillus or bifidobacterium. They're the common types of bacteria found in most commercial probiotics. So let's use the probiotic for example, lactobacillus ruteri, 1063. As an example, <laughs> lactobacillus is the genus and the ruteri is the species. That particular strain of lactobacillus ruteri is 1063. I know this is a lot of superfluous information, but I just find it very helpful, especially when clients are at Whole Foods or a market and they're texting me, I don't know which one to, I don't know, there's so many out here. Some are refrigerated, some are more expensive, but this is important. So let's move on to the the CFUs, what you often see also in a supplement. CFU stands for the Colony Forming Units. And that's the number of live bacteria that's contained in each dosage of the supplement. Many brands, of course, will tout their number of CFUs as a selling point, but there's really not been a lot proven that more is necessarily better. So let's not focus necessarily on that. It's more, I would say personally, the quality better than the quantity. Um, And you really want to research brands. And you also have to look at the packaging. You know, nowadays they have an encapsulation technology, which helps to ensure the survival of the bacteria. So some products don't have to be refrigerated, by the way, but it should be packaged well. The other thing I'd like to talk about are the strains in the formula and also what research has been conducted on these strains. So you want to choose strains that apply to your health goals. So for example, Some strains can support that part of the intestinal tract, epithelial barrier, uh, to promote neurotransmitter production. Yay, brain health, mind health. Or you can look at some that will downregulate inflammation. And we know inflammation is bad. Did you know part of being depressed is brain inflammation? If our gut is inflamed, our brain is inflamed. That's why it's so important to look at these phases of digestion, to look at keeping a healthy microbiome, and also looking at eating whole foods. 
Now, we also want to look at fillers. We don't want fillers, just like anything else. We're trying to eat whole foods. So you don't want things like malodextrin or artificial sweeteners, colors, you know, things like that. Things you just basically don't want to be putting in your body anyway. And then you have to look at your goals. This is one thing I do with my clients when they come in. The first thing we look at is, do you have any existing gut issues? If you do, typically, and I'm not a nutritionist or a functional medicine doctor, but as an integrative health coach, I do feel that the higher doses um, and specific probiotics really do help if you have an existing gut issue, okay? But you should always look at a medical professional, please. And also, are you just looking for general maintenance, right? In this case, you can have a more sort of generic brand. We also want to look at the bacteria, right, that we just talked about. So, you know, certain strains will help with certain issues. And you also want to look at if they've been tested for antibiotic resistance. This is important, folks, okay? This is something you can check when you look back to that letter and the number that's attached to the strain. So, for example, L. plantarum W21 is a strain of L. plantarum that has been researched by a company that I believe is called Winclove Probiotics. And you can look up studies on that specific strain to see if it's been tested for antibiotic resistance. Now, antibiotic resistance may seem like a good thing and a probiotic because of gene transfer capability in bacteria, but you don't want to risk any pathogenic bacteria by picking up an antibiotic resistant gene, okay? So we really, I always encourage folks to do their research. And of course, you wanna look at for one, once again, that's a non-GMO certified probiotic or supplement. Um, And you can, again, for research purposes, for your own purposes, there's a few websites I'm gonna direct you to, which is the International Probiotics Association. So that's internationalprobiotics.org. And there's also Consumer Lab, which is consumerlab.com. Uh, just uh, to look at that. And one of my favorite topics these days, because I think you can even buy (laughs) countertop spray with a prebiotic, um, I want to just briefly, very briefly go over probiotic, prebiotic, symbiotic, and postbiotic, and, and why you might see these these days. So a probiotic, again, is the same bacteria as the good bacteria in your gut. A prebiotic is food that feeds the probiotic bacteria and that stimulates the probiotic gut bacteria and that improves your health. There's also symbiotic, which is the combination of prebiotics and probiotics. That's convenient, but they're usually pretty low in prebiotics, so you just want to look at that. And then postbiotic is the formula with all the beneficial byproducts. Uh, produced by the bacteria. So, you know, we want to just sort of look at that. And we want to look at antibiotic, meaning anti-life, and probiotic, meaning pro-life. So I'm not going to get into the, um, mainly because I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying to pronounce them properly on (laughs) on the podcast, but we do want to look at 
specific probiotics that will help with regular bowel movements. You want to be producing antimicrobials that will inhibit pathogenic bacteria like yeast and candida. You want to also look at how it will help your nutrient and your mineral absorption, healthy stomach acid levels, and your digestive enzymes, and of course, detoxification. So some common myths about probiotics would be they won't survive your stomach acid. But the truth is, again, with that encapsulation technology, you can protect against it. Even transient probiotics have great benefits. Also, adding more gut bacteria is pointless. Okay, that's, again, a myth. But our goal is a healthy microbiome. So probiotics can swap genes, stimulate your immune system, and neutralize toxins. So don't be afraid to try a a good probiotic. Some people feel supplements aren't necessary. Well, they're not if you're eating a really great diet. But even so, that combination of looking at probiotics that would be large enough to get that much in your body that would be significant is really hard. And again, most of these commercial yogurts are so loaded with sugar that you're just adding... the bad bacteria to your gut. And again, we also have to look at those fermented foods and are they superior? They're great, but they can't deliver therapeutic doses, okay? You might want them for the prebiotic or for you know mixing up the types of probiotics in your gut. But again, those supplements um, can really have the beneficial strains in the gut that some fermented foods might lack. So there we go. Um, You know, again, so to to sort of wrap up in terms of the probiotics, you know, we want to worth considering it. You might want to consider it rather if you've taken antibiotics in the recent years, if you're eating a lot of processed foods, and especially if we're living in urban areas, we just don't have the diversity, um, the bacteria on the plants um, and, and the food that we really need. But of course, always look at a medical professional, get the advice of a medical professional. You know, if you have things like SIBO and you haven't removed that overgrowth, you don't, you know, you don't want to do that. If you're immune compromised, you probably need to, you know, probably you do need to look at your doctor or medical professional. Um, And don't be afraid in the beginning, if you have a little gas, a little bloating, a little discomfort, that's maybe a signal that they're working, but not always. So be really careful. Every microbiome is different. So take your time, maybe do it every other day. Um, In about a week, it should normalize. Um, But again, every microbiome is different. But you want to definitely look at consumer and practitioner brands that have a higher dosage. And you definitely want to, again, be overseen by a medical professional. Uh, Consider what kind of probiotic you want. And is it like soil-based? Is it lab-based? Is it spore-forming? Is it yeast? Um, And do your research. Research your brands. You know, and remember that CFU does count, but more is not always better. Uh, you want to look at quality over quantity. And again, you want to look at the number um, of various strains. Every microbiome is different and requires trial and error. Um, and so, again, one strain could be a superstar to one person where other strains can really have the opposite effect. Again, we, we want to just look at the fermented foods, which is the prebiotics. 
the prebiotic just helps feed that bacteria. Um, and, you know, prebiotic, prebiotics are not absorbed in the upper GI tract. Most can resist your stomach acid, um, and they can be fermented by the intestinal tract. And we definitely benefit not only by lowering the intestinal pH to ward off pathogens, but growing good bacteria produces antibacterial molecules um, that would ward off bad bacteria. Um, so, you know, I encourage you to look at um, all of this. Again, uh, you should not be taking a probiotic if you have any kind of dysbiosis, SIBO, IBS, if you're on a low uh, FODMAP diet. We just really want to be mindful about what we're putting in our body. And of course, again, with the fermented foods, you know, you want to look at things like pickles, kimchi, sauerkraut, kombucha, um, kefir. Um, and again, you can, changing your gut microbiome can change your mood. When we heal the body, we heal the mind, we heal the brain. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, um, when they clear out their microbiome from bad bacteria and get those good probiotics in there, they have more energy. They say like they don't feel like that sort of like cloudy feeling. They get better sleep. They have more energy and improve mood. So let's um, all get out there and do our best to do our due diligence. Look at how, again, it's the second brain. And if we heal the body, we can heal the mind. Um, just a little bit of a change today, I thought, instead of just talking about mind-body medicine, we're often, often talking about the mind and mindfulness but it goes hand in hand with the body. So if you want to know more, please feel free to reach out to me or any of my programs where I combine the psychology of the mind, the biology of the body, and the neurology of the brain to enact life changes that stick. Please go to www.restorebodybalance.com and we will use your lifestyle as medicine. See you next week and stay safe.